0: The Old Testament lesson is from Genesis 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of the Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found... If I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick! Three sillas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, and he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out, And my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is that anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Colossians 1 you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven this is the word of the Lord. God. We rise for the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. which will not be taken away from her. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
1: The following sermon is adapted from a message written by Reverend Kenneth Klaus for the Concordia Pulpit Resource. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, dear friends, you are not perfect. On these four words, billions of advertising dollars are spent each year around the world Companies are making fortunes by telling imperfect people how to remedy their imperfect lives. If you have imperfect breath, mouthwash companies will help you become kissable. If you have an imperfect smile, toothpaste manufacturers will make your teeth whiter than white. If you smell less than perfect, the right deodorant will make sure Others can stand downwind from you. If your hair is less than perfect, the right shampoo will give your hair the shine, the bounce, the gloss, the glimmer you so desperately need. Is your image less than perfect? There are cars, restaurants, beer companies, liqueurs, clothing manufacturers, and myriads of products that will transform you into a popular person. There are get-rich strategies that will pad your account, psychics who will give you advice, books that show you the way to peace, and counselors who promise to get your head screwed on straight. Of course, after you have the right car, deodorant, mouthwash, soap, clothes, psychic and counselor, Your reflection in the mirror points out, you are still not the fairest in the land. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. Our lives are filled with people who are only too glad to tell us that. Remember back in grade school when you were chosen last for a game? You knew then that you weren't perfect. When your dad yelled at you, when your mom gave you a disappointed look, When the report card was sent home from school, you knew you were not perfect. When you were turned down for a date or were never asked to go on a date, when you didn't make first string, when you were not accepted into the university or college of your choice and its program, you were reminded that you weren't perfect. When you forgot your spouse's birthday, when you were passed over for a promotion, When a fellow driver on the freeway laid on his horn and gave you a dirty look, you knew you weren't perfect. Scripture reminds us that none of us, not even the best of us, is perfect. Noah followed the Lord and built an ark, but he also digested a little too much wine a little too freely. Abraham was a great man of faith, but he was not above telling a lie or two to save himself. God used Moses to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt, but Moses didn't resist the temptation to change God's orders. David was a mighty warrior and God's selected monarch, but that did not stop David from abusing his power. The Bible is filled with magnificent stories of God's heroes of faith, but these people were not heroes because they were perfect. They were heroes because God's grace gave them strength and perseverance. You see, none of us is perfect. The Bible doesn't pull any punches when it says there is not a single person who has not sinned. Ecclesiastes says there is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. Scripture drives home this point when it sadly shares that all of humanity has fallen short of God's glory. In our sermon text, Paul reminds the Colossian Christians that because of their wicked actions, they, like the rest of humanity, were once alienated from God. Paul says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. The same is true of us. On our own, we are powerless to do what God demands. Perhaps if it shows most clearly in the little things of life, in our homes, in our routines, in our choices and relationships. I often wonder what would happen if Jesus unexpectedly came to our house. Would we go to the door immediately Or would we have to change some things before letting him in? Would we quickly hide some magazines? Change the music we were listening to? Could we continue our dinner table conversation without change? Would we secretly hope he would leave so we could get back to normal? Could we introduce him to our closest friends? Could we take him to the movies we had selected for the evening? The sad truth is that even though we would treat Jesus with honor, feeding Him our best, and offering Him use of the good towels, we might feel just a bit uncomfortable. And why? Because we know that we are unable, by nature, to live up to God's perfection or His expectations. The worst news is, that we can't do anything to permanently, to permanently fix our imperfections. We can tidy up our houses, but we can't clean up our hearts. We can curb what we say, but we can't stop what we think. Remember the nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. That ditty tells us that no matter how hard we try, no matter how wise or how strong we are, we can't even repair a broken egg. On a spiritual level, since the fall into sin, each one of us is broken. No matter what we do, how long we work at it, or how hard we struggle, we can't repair our relationship with God. We are not perfect and we are helpless to fix our relationship with God. There are voices in the world all around us who object to that statement. The secular humanists want us to believe that the world is improving, and we are successfully climbing the stairway to perfection. Abortions, drive-by shootings, religious persecution, government and corporate corruption and prejudiced people tell us they are wrong. Some educators tell us learning will endow a new age, yet today's children are often more jaded, discouraged, and depressed than previous generations. Education alone cannot change us. Some social theorists want us to think that a great society can be obtained by throwing money at our problems. Yet all the money our government and businesses have committed to these problems, we have not succeeded in making many improvements. False prophets and misleading religions tell us that we must work our way to perfection. They say we must be recycled until we become holy and perfect. Unfortunately, The people you and I know tend to repeat the same sins their grandparents committed. We are not perfect. But thank God, Scripture also says that the journey of our life does not have to lead to eternal fire and destruction. We do not have to stay alienated from God. Our sinful nature condemns us. God's Son saves us. When Adam and Eve were devastated by the knowledge of what they had done, God gave them hope that he would crush the devil. When Abraham was without hope of having home or family, God promised a son, a country, and a descendant who would be a blessing to the world. Even though David was a murderer and an adulterer, God did not leave him without hope, but gave the promise that one of his descendants would establish a kingdom that would last forever. Thank God. In Jesus, we have hope. God's promise is not just for patriarchs and kings, but for you and me also. St. Paul says that God has, by the blood of the cross, reconciled all creation to himself. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. We were exiled from our home, but at the foot of the cross we found a new habitation. We were without family, but by God's grace we have been adopted into his household. Because of Jesus... We who were poor are now rich. Because Jesus was hungry, we know God will feed us with a living bread that came down from heaven, which a person may eat and not die. Because he was stripped, we now have a robe of righteousness. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Jesus was forsaken. We now have company throughout our life. I am with you always, is his promise to us. Jesus died, and we now will live forever. Jesus took our sin, and we are now now forgiven and clean before God. Paul says in the text, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith. The blood of the cross is God's message that says, even though we're not perfect and could never be perfect, God has declared us holy in His sight, without blemish, free from accusation. And so, my friends in Christ, this is how we deal with our sinful flesh and all the feelings of inadequacy that we cope with as a result of our sin. Oh, we can try to mask over these blemishes, these imperfections with toothpaste, mouthwash, shampoo, makeovers, new cars, clothes, etc., etc. We can bounce from one modern age guru or false preacher to another who offers us hope of feeling better about ourselves or we can cope with our imperfections and blemishes, the Bible way. How is that? By admitting, by confessing, I am not perfect, but I know that through Christ I am holy and blameless in the sight of the one who matters the most. And then we continue to read and study the Word of God. We continue to worship regularly with our brothers and sisters in Christ. As we do, we are assured our sins are forgiven. We also receive the life-transforming love of God through the sacraments, and God's Spirit gives us a makeover of sorts as He continues to mold and shape us into the people we are in Christ. Amen. Now, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your Holy Spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen.